holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? You own your own nation, and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of the world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not born of the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone is of the truth, listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is the truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They answered and cried out again, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. The Gospel of the Lord. All right, well, good morning again. For those who are new with us, my name is Cody Quinn. I'm the pastor of students and Connections here at One Fellowship. And uh, before we dive in, let me say one more quick word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come and hear your word. God, I pray that my words would be yours and that you would change our hearts to walk more in step with you. Father, we pray all this in your name. Amen. A DEA officer stopped at a ranch in Texas. And now I got this story off of Reddit, but it serves its purpose. And it talked with an old rancher. He told the rancher, I need to inspect your ranch for illegally grown drugs. The rancher said, okay, but don't go in the field over there as he pointed to the location. The DEA officer verbally exploded saying, mister, I have the authority of the federal government with me. Reaching into his rear pants pocket, he removed his badge and proudly displayed it to the rancher. See this badge? This badge means I'm allowed to go wherever I wish on any land. No questions asked and no answers given. Have I made myself clear? Do you understand? The rancher nodded politely, apologized, and went about his chores. A short time later, the old rancher heard loud screams, looked up and saw the DEA officer running for his life, being chased by the rancher's big Santa Gertrudis bull. With every step, the bull was gaining ground on the officer and it seemed likely that he'd sure enough get gored before he reached safety. The officer was clearly terrified and the rancher threw down his tools, ran to the fence and yelled at the top of his lungs, your badge, show him your badge. <laughs> Thank you, Reddit, for that story. Authority. We have all seen authority play out. We've all been under authority somehow or some way. Maybe it is your boss. Maybe it is uh, the government. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's your parents or teachers or maybe a teenager or a three-year-old in your family likes to display authority. It, 
authority comes in all different shapes and sizes. We've experienced good authority. We've experienced bad authority, good leadership and bad leadership. According to Google, here's the definition or a couple of the definitions for authority. The power or right to give orders, make decisions or enforce behaviors or the power to influence others, especially due to a commanding meaner, uh, sorry, manner, commanding manner or knowledge. Here's what I think about authority. When it comes to our life, we have given or allowed authority to things and people that have no right to that power. Going back to the definition, we've allowed people and things in our life to give us orders and to dictate our decisions that have no rightful claim to that authoritative position in our life. Phones, they order our attention. Sports, concerts, boats give us authoritative orders as to where and to when and when to spend our time. Our past, we've given our, our past too much power over who we are today and how we live today. And other people's approval. Living to have approval from others dictates what we can do and what we can say. And by no means is that an exhaustive list. You can fill in the blank for what holds that position in your life. Ultimately, we have given kingly authority to people and to things that are just not worthy of the role. And if we think about the kingdoms that these things uh, create, if we think about the kingdoms that these kings create, they're marked with anxiety, burnout, and fear. And so the big idea and the only point for our message today and what I want you to process for the rest of this sermon is that Jesus is the king with an incredible kingdom. Jesus is the king with an incredible kingdom. As we give authority on all kinds of things in our lives, we are to see today and to see in our passage and see all throughout scripture that Jesus has the only rightful claim to our hearts and that his kingdom is far better than anything and anyone that anyone can offer us. Jesus has the only rightful claim and his kingdom is far better than anything else there is to offer. So let's dive into our passage. John 18, verse 33 to 35, read this. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me what have you done? So we see here, Pilate is asking Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? So to back up here, the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders have brought Jesus here. They've been trying to get Jesus in trouble this, this whole time, his whole ministry, basically saying, hey, you have blasphemed. You are claiming and proclaiming that you are the son of God and you are not him, dude. That is not who you are, but the Roman authorities, they don't care about their religion. They just care about their power. And so the Jewish leaders who haven't been able to get him on this blaspheme, they've said, okay, now, hey, Roman power, here's the king, the king of the Jews. He's trying to 
take your place. He's trying to combat you guys. And so we see this is a threat to Roman power. And so Pilate has to take this serious. So Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? But then Jesus, as he often does throughout scripture, just turns it right back on him. Hey, it's not about who people say I am. Who do you say I am? Who do you say that I am? And we see Pilate here kind of deflects. Hey, am I a Jew? Dude, what have you done? And our scripture continues. Verse 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. See, Jesus goes back to the first question now. He doesn't necessarily say, hey, yes, I am a king. I am the king of the Jews, but he does say, I have a kingdom. And that insinuates something. But he says, I have a kingdom. It's not of this world, but we see it does impact and it does have effects on this world. My, my servants, my followers would have behaved differently. They would have acted differently. So it's not, not that his kingdom or Jesus' kingdom is to come. It is here today and to come. And so we see Jesus painting this picture of his kingdom uh, in this way. We see earth and heaven and God's kingdom. We see this overlap. We see this overlap of where God's kingdom and our reality here on earth are here in the same. Jesus is walking and breathing real life on earth. His disciples, his followers would have behaved differently, yet there is still a perfect kingdom to come. And so we're living kind of in the in-between, the mesh right now of where they are overlapped. We started a new liturgy in our church of the prayers of the people where every week we would walk through the Lord's prayer. It says, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. So we see our goal and what Christ calls us to is to live heaven out here on earth. That is his kingdom. And this is how we see Pilate respond. Verse 37 to 38. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king, for this purpose I was born and for this, this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? I wish I had the meme of the, I think it's like a ceramic Jesus kind of doing the wink and the point here. It's like, so you are a king? Uh, you said it, I, I gotcha. Um, Jesus doesn't actually say it, but we see Pilate here starting to process we see some, some dots potentially at least popping up in his head of like, okay, is this guy, could he be, what? If you're reading the other gospels, we actually read that Pilate's wife has a dream about Jesus. And so he's connecting all these different dots. And I think he's at least starting to process. But what is this truth? What is this mission? We see Jesus, he, he still doesn't say, hey, I'm the king. He says, you say I'm the king. He says, but he actually turns to his mission and to what the truth is and what his purpose is here. And we can go all throughout the Old Testament and connect a lot of dots here, but here's a few specific ones to, to tell us what is this truth. In Genesis 49, we see Jacob. Remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He gathers his sons around him and gives this prophetic blessing that gives this expectation of a future king. In Exodus, we see that the law is given 
so that the people would be priestly representatives for God. In 2 Samuel and Chronicles, we are watching kind of David's life and Israel's uh, kind of coming to of where we, are, we see this promise of a faithful king to rise. We say, hey, it's gonna be David. David is crowned king, but as great of a king as David was, he was still flawed. He was a great king, but he was a flawed king. You see, all the leaders in the Old Testament are pointing to a true perfect king who is to come. And it wasn't Moses. It wasn't any of the prophets. It wasn't David. What we find out in the New Testament is it is Jesus. Jesus is the king. And that's what Jesus has come to share. And that's the truth he's saying right here in front of Pilate. That he is the king and his kingdom is already, but not yet. We're living in the kingdom now only for it to be perfected in the coming future. Commentator Matt Carter says this, Jesus came to reveal God's truth. We can't spin it. We must submit to it. Truth is the instrument God uses to call men and women into his kingdom. Every person is born into slavery, held captive to sin and deceived by Satan, the father of lies. His lies fill this world. The world feeds us lie after lie, each bigger, bolder, and more outrageous than the last. Jesus speaks the truth, and those who respond to the truth are no longer slaves. And we see here Pilate's reaction to this proclamation of Jesus saying, hey, I have a kingdom, which means I am a king, which means now you got to respond. How are you going to respond? And it's this cool opportunity to see how Pilate does this. And we start to see again him start to process this. So what does he say? How does he respond? What is truth? And then it says this in verse 38. After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. And as you, you study, you'll find out Barabbas was actually a, a real bad dude. A, he was a robber. He was an insurrectionist. He was a murderer. He was a bad guy. And we'll come back to him in just a second. But what has Pilate just said? And maybe this is political talk, but he says, Jesus is no threat. I find him not guilty. He uses the label king of the Jews. And so again, maybe it's political talk, but it seems like some dots may be connecting again, knowing the full story. He says he's not guilty multiple times as you keep reading, but he can't just release them. Again, he's got to play the political game. He's a politician. If he just releases Jesus, all these religious leaders are going to be upset and try and overthrow him or at least make his job very, very difficult. And so how can Pilate get out of this? He says, oh, you got a tradition. You have this thing, oh, I can release a prisoner today. You have this tradition, it's Passover. Barabbas, murderer, robber, or Jesus? Barabbas, we want Barabbas. And so we see here an example of the kingdom. 
We see here an example of the king played out right in front of Pilate. We see that Jesus takes the place of Barabbas. And what we come to find out as we continue to read and as we continue to learn about Christ is that we are Barabbas. We're all sinners. We're all messed up. We're all guilty. We all deserve punishment. And yet Christ takes our place. That's the picture of the kingdom. That's the picture of King Jesus. He meets us where we are. He takes all of our burdens, takes our shame, our sin, and our, wrong, our wrongdoings so that we don't have to carry them anymore. And he pays the price. It's a kingdom and it's a king marked with humility and forgiveness and opportunity. Pilate, how are you going to respond? Barabbas, how will you respond to this gift? And we don't have time to get into that. And so now it turns to us. How will you respond? How do we take this scripture and apply it to our lives today? And so here's your question. For which king and kingdom are you living? Very simple. For which king and kingdom are you living? I started a new book yesterday called Indistractable. It's by a guy named Nir Isle. He's an Israeli author. And we all know we live in a life full of distractions. And Kelsey's sitting by there. She'd probably say, I get pretty distracted. Um, and so I started a new book. And I started reading it just in time yesterday to read chapter two and get a great illustration for today. And so here's what Nir Isle says in his book in chapter two, um, which is worth the price of the book here. Chapter two starts out this way. Tantalus. The ancient Greeks immortalized the story of a man who is perpetually distracted. We call something that is desirable, but just out of reach, tantalizing after his name. The story goes that Tantalus was banished to the underworld by his father Zeus as a punishment. There he found himself waiting in a pool of water while a tree dangled ripe fruit above his head. The curse seems benign, but when Tantalus tried to pluck the fruit, the branch moved just away from him, always just out of reach. When he bent down to drink the cool water, it receded so that he could never quench his thirst. Tantalus's punishment was to yearn for things he desired but could never grasp. And then chapter two continues and he comes back. He says, let's think back to the tale of Tantalus. What was his curse exactly? Was it never ending hunger and thirst? Not really. What would have happened to Tantalus if he had just stopped reaching. He was already in the underworld after all, and people there don't need food and water the last time I checked. The curse is not that Tantalus spends all eternity reaching for things just out of reach, but rather his obliviousness to the greater folly of his actions. Tantalus's curse was his blindness to the fact he didn't need those things in the first place. That's the real moral of the story. Tantalus's curse is also our curse. We are compelled to reach for things we supposedly need, but really don't. We are compelled to reach for things we supposedly need, but really do not. Often, often we end up reaching out to make other kings for ourselves because we want power, 
somehow, some way. We want status somehow, some way. We want satisfaction somehow, some way. And we think this can give it to us. What we come to find out is that Jesus and his kingdom is the only place to find true power. It's the only place to find authentic status and lasting satisfaction. All of our striving and reaching in this world is meant to point us to the one who can fill that gap. My old youth pastor used to say, say this, we all have a God-shaped hole in our hearts and we try to fill it with all sorts of things. Money, career, knowledge, sex, substance, feeling of security, maybe a specific person in your life, family, popularity, the approval of others, our past somehow, some way, or our success. But are they worthy of that position? Will they hold up? Will they serve you well? Will they serve your family well? Will they truly satisfy? The answer is no. The only thing that will fill that hole is Jesus. C.S. Lewis says, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. How about we aim at heaven from this day forward? How about we aim at King Jesus and his kingdom from this day forward? The only rightful authoritative voice for our souls. My prayer as we close is that everyone in this room will give Jesus the kingly authority in their life. Parents, that you'll lead your kids to have the kingly authority of Jesus in their lives. That we'll let his grace and his truth hold the ultimate authority in our life. And if you're unsure about Jesus and his kingdom, if you're unsure, keep coming back. Keep coming back, come and see. Come and see what else there is in store when you choose Jesus. Jesus is the king with an incredible kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your kingly authority, that you are the king and that we are not because we mess things up all the time. We place our hope and our trust in things that don't last. We place our hope, our trust, our value in things tomorrow we won't even think about. In a week, they'll be gone and forgotten. In a month, in a year, we won't even remember. God, how often have we put all of this purpose and hope, authority in things that don't last, that aren't good to us or good for us? Father, your word says earlier in the book of John that you come to give us life and life to the full. God, I pray that everyone in this room as they search out their best life, that they'll know the answer to that. They'll know the only one that can give them their best life is by following you, by having you as king and we reorder everything else under you. So Father, help us to reorder our lives and place you on the throne. It's in your name we pray, amen.